So, today is something new, and uh, we'll jump right into it, Uh, but we're headed towards Easter, and uh, it's just a few weeks away. What can you accomplish in one day? What, what is out there that you can accomplish in one day? And you can uh, be born. just takes a day to do that, right? You can graduate from high school or from college, right? You can get married in one day. Usually it only takes one day. You can become a parent or a grandparent. It only takes one day, right? Pretty significant milestones in our life, but just one day in each of those situations. Here's the thing. None of them actually took place in just one day, did they? None of those, uh, all kinds of events that occur prior to the actual day of that event. You don't meet, get engaged, and get married in one day, unless you're in a reality show, and those are dumb, so we don't count that, okay? Um, You don't just take a test and be given your diploma in one day. Unless, of course, you're a genius, and that ruins my point. So that doesn't count either, okay? Uh, There's lots of things that can go on. The point is, you can do so much in 24 hours. And today, as we start this new uh, focus, we're going to take time to head towards Easter in 24 hours. And we're going to split it up at the the last day that Jesus was alive. This series, we're calling it 24. Uh, Do you remember that show, Jack Bauer? 24, it's a good one. Um, It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But we're going to look at the final 24 hours of Jesus' life before enduring the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. And here's the disclaimer. Time in Scripture is hard to nail down sometimes, right? And that's frustrating for me because I like the, the symmetry of a timeline. But the timeline in Scripture is not always super clear. Sometimes the Bible is very specific and gives great detail um, on specific times. And even in this account, uh, there are, there's specific times. Though, but just know that we're saying it's 24 hours. It might have taken 27. might have taken 30. Uh, but we're right in there, and we can just go with it, can't we? Good. All right. Um, so we're going to visit three different, four different events starting today um, with, that happened in that last 24 hours of Jesus' life before dying on the cross. The first, uh, today, we're going to look at the table. I have it set right here. Isn't this so nice? It's intimate. It's beautiful. You might have even seen this table. And I added a candle from the last time we used the table. Um, So you get the point that we're going to approach the table today. Next week, um, Miss Jennifer is going to preach, and she's going to talk about the garden the garden experience, and uh, then we're back to, uh, in three weeks, we'll do the trial and denial of, uh, of Jesus and of Peter and the, all that that encompasses, and then on Palm Sunday, we'll talk about the cross, and uh, it, it should be very good. I hope that you um, take time to read the scripture, all, all of uh, the scriptures that align with the Easter story in scripture and the gospels. During this time, we're going to uh, have three different questions at the end of each week included um, so that you can take it away, go chew on a little bit, let it bounce around in your heart, and try and figure out how this is going to apply to my life, not just on Sunday morning, but on Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday, whatever, that uh, hopefully something will stick. And the goal would be to change. The goal is some kind of physical change, if that's what's needed. 
Like we, we choose to um, change a routine or a practice in our lives. Kind of what um, Ash Wednesday, when we talked on Ash Wednesday about denying our bodies something, that's the physical change. Uh, maybe it's a routine. Maybe it's something that we should do that will help us I- improve in our life. Maybe it's going to be some kind of uh, a mental or emotional change, uh, if that's what's needed. Because um, we might need to, to change the way that we think about other people and view it through the eyes and the lens of the way Jesus does. And then and maybe, hopefully, there'll be a spiritual change because we all need that. We all need to be in ever improving and reaching a new level in our relationship with Jesus. Uh, and um, it may be just be the way that um, uh, living like Jesus, the way he expressed what it means to love one another. And so here we go. Today, we're talking about the table. Everything revolves around the table. And in church, uh, in, in the church circles, it can be called different things. This, this part, uh, the Lord's table, maybe, we call it communion. Uh, if you want to get the fancy church words out, we can call it the sacrament of communion. But it's this, this practice, this tradition that we have that Jesus introduced to us, and that's what we're talking about today. Jesus, he introduced this, uh, this sacrament to us and the disciples, and it all happened around a table. And uh, so that's where we're headed. What does the dinner table remind you of? You think back to your childhood, maybe just four days ago, in your family now. What does the dinner table remind you of? Um, because the dinner table represents much more than serving a meal, right? Even at middle school or high school, elementary school, there's way more happening at the table than just lunch, right? So it, it represents way more. It does, pre- it does represent provision, right, food, but there's a lot of other things too. It represents family, okay? Family dinners on a daily basis around a dinner table are pivotal, to the life of your family and how it grows together. There's, the, uh, the table represents stability. Even though you may not use it for a meal, it's used for all kinds of other stuff, right? Putting puzzles together, game nights, holding laundry, whatever you want to put on the table, that's what it's there for. It offers stability. <coughs> There's connection at the table. Sharing a meal is more than just physical, isn't it? There, there's, there's more than, uh, it, it occurs, uh, an emotional connection. Uh, that's why a lot of first dates happen at a meal, right? At the table. And you, it's a way to get to know each other, which brings on the last one, which is conversation. The table represents conversation. And most of the time, uh, there's a lot of impactful talks that can happen as a family around your table. Uh, maybe it's just simply talking about your day. Sharing stories about what happened in school or work or whatever you did. Um, maybe it's uh, deep, life-directing talks that you have that shape everyone around the table. Can, can you remember something like that at your table? Is this chiming in with anybody? The table's important. It's almost like uh, Jesus knew, right? That it's a dynamic part of our lives. It's a dynamic part of our personal life and our family life and our spiritual lives. And Jesus knew that, that it would be a portal for our faith. And in Scripture, uh, Jesus spent a huge amount of time around a table. If you read the Gospels, uh, we saw this a few weeks ago. 
that he was at dinner at the table of Simon the Pharisee. And then the woman that was known for her sin came and, and uh, washed Jesus' feet with her tears. <coughs> Excuse me. He sat at the table with Zacchaeus after he said, you come down, right? Remember the song? Uh, he invited himself over, actually. He sat at the table with Matthew, who was a tax collector. Matthew was hated because he was a tax collector. And again, he invites himself over to Matthew's house. And all the Pharisees are like, why are you eating with the Pharisees and the, or the tax collectors and the sinners? Right? Tax collectors were worse than sinners those days because uh, they, of how evil they were. And he sat at the table that we're going to talk about today. Uh, this traditional meal called the Passover feast. <coughs> we know that we know it is the Last Supper, but when they were doing it, it wasn't the Last Supper. They didn't know that, right? That's just what we call it now. And so we uh, we move on, and Jesus saw the value of engaging people in their lives at one of the most vulnerable and intimate settings possible at the table. And life change happens when Jesus sat down at the table with whoever he was with. And uh, the experience of the Passover feast would be transformational for the disciples and for us today. So three areas we want to approach today when it comes to how Jesus used the setting of the table and what it teaches us. There's prepping the table, preparations for it. There's table talk and there's table stories. Uh, quickly, before we move on, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have this account of the final 24 hours of Jesus. So um, I encourage you to read it, little bit by little. I'll post, I can post the, the scripture passages so you have them and what we're going to cover each week, if that's helpful. But uh, I encourage you, uh, here's the thing, they're all individual details. Some of them have them, some of them don't. Matthew's take is a little different than Luke's. And John and Mark, they, they all share the same themes. They all talk about the exact same thing, but they all have a very unique perspective about the events that happened. And they on how Jesus gave up his life for others. When, uh, when, when you have someone over to your house, what, what's the routine look like at your home? Yeah, you got, there's lots of things, right? It, because regardless of the the possible differences that at different houses, there are some very common threads that we all follow, right? First, there's a, there's a uh, invite. You've got to invite them. They're not going to come over if they don't get invited, unless, of course, they invite themselves over, which is rude in our eyes. But Jesus did it multiple times, right? Just, I'm coming over. I'm coming to your house. So we're, there's an invite involved, whether you text them or call them or see them. Hey, come on over. Um, but people don't just show up usually. You have to clean the house, right? The whole house. Because you never know when your visitors are going to get nosy, right? And, and check out what's behind that door. Uh, well, that's the, what's behind that door is where we crammed all the stuff we didn't want you to see when we were cleaning. Um, uh, you have to go to the grocery store. You have to have a plan. Because uh, you don't usually serve your guests leftovers. Maybe you do, but um, it probably depends on who it is. You have to prep the food because cooked food is typically, typically better than raw food um, unless you're a sushi person and that's just gross. So uh, 
Nobody makes their own anyway, right? Um, but then you have to, typically, you'd start before, you start making the meal before they come over, right? They don't show up, and then you're like, oh, I better start dinner. No, you, we usually want some um, efficiency to the meal. So uh, you have to set the table, kind of like I did today. There's no utensils up here, um, but you kind of get the idea because you want everyone to have the appropriate tools when you throw down on all the food that you're getting ready to eat, right? Prepping the table was a vital component to the events around Jesus' table, too. And he knew this was important. We're going to be in Luke chapter 22 today, if you want to find that in your scriptures. And uh, Luke is just one of the accounts that we find of Jesus' life here on earth. It's one of the Gospels. It's the third uh, book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, then Luke in chapter 22. <coughs> and he was, uh, he was not a disciple. He didn't witness all of this, but he talked to everybody who did, and then he wrote it all down for us in great detail. So we'll be in uh, chapter 22, verse 7, um, for this first bit. And we kind of already heard Geraldo read Matthew's account. This is uh, Luke's account. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where would you like us to, where would you want us to prepare it, they asked. He replied, as you go enter, enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. Say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, uh, and say to the, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs furnished and make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus told them, and they, were, they, were, and they prepared for the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. When the hour came, so our 24 hours, this would have been late afternoon, early evening, um, probably right around 6 o'clock-ish, uh, maybe, maybe a little earlier. But planning mattered. Planning mattered to Jesus. He had already made preparations for the Passover, for him and his friends, and, uh, and we don't know how Jesus did this. How did he set it up? Um, you know, maybe he mentioned it to the host. He knew the person, maybe sat at their table before, and he said, hey, we're coming, we'll be in town um, for the Passover. Can you have a room ready for us? We don't know. Uh, maybe he just said, Peter and John, go find this guy and ask him, follow him, and I know his heart. He'll say yes, don't worry about it. He was God in a body. That is certainly possible. And along with Peter and John, uh, they go and they find, just like he said, the guy carrying the water led him to the house. They said yes. They had a nice furnished room upstairs. I don't know if it was a VRBO or what, but um, they did it. And the host family and Peter and John were in charge of setting, preparing the meal. This probably would have happened early on Friday morning. Hey, guys, go into town and, and find who, uh, where we can do it. But they forgot one element, dirty feet. They forgot that, right? Um, and it, it was minor, kind of, but think about it. People wore sandals or possibly no shoes in those times, and the roads were dirty. Even if they were paved in some way, there, it was dirty. You know, there was dirt everywhere. There was lots of live animals milling around, if you catch my drift. Um, and so people's feet would inevitably be dirty when they came into the house. 
And the host family didn't plan for that part of the meal. Peter and John didn't think about that, right? It was a detail that they just missed. But Jesus noticed, and it prompted him uh, to action And we, uh, as we see what he did. And John is the one who shares this. It's interesting because he was the one that missed the, the, the detail. John shares in, in John chapter 13. And so he, this, this is what Jesus did. He, oh, maybe he smelled their feet. I don't know. He noticed that their feet were dirty. Because in those times, they laid down at the table. So you would have noticed, right? Their feet were up. And uh, John tells us that he got up, Jesus got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. One of the most humbling experiences of their lives. If you've ever been a part of a foot washing service, um, it's just awkward to touch other people's feet, you know? It's awkward to have your feet touched. I don't know why, it just is, but it's humbling. And Peter, of course, Peter, he, had a, he made a big deal about it. You're not washing my feet, Jesus. You know, you're too good to wash my feet. And he, you know, Peter, Jesus made a comment. He was like, okay, well, then wash my whole body then. Don't just wash my feet. And Jesus was like, calm down, all right? Just washing your feet right now. Uh, he teaches them this lesson about being a servant, and being a servant is at the heart of being a follower. And humbly, Jesus showed them that being a servant is at the heart of every table, right? See this in the life of Martha and Mary and the, the disagreement they had about prepping the table, right? Um, because even this, even this little table, it took me, what, five, ten minutes to figure out where everything was and to set it all up and make sure it looked okay. Does it look okay? It looks okay. Um, and whether, well, should I put a candle or not? I don't know. So there, it takes time. Preparations have to be made. But it's a servant's heart to do that. If you don't like serving people, when people come over, you don't just say, well, food's in there. You, you give them the food, don't you? And so prepping the table was important to Jesus. When you sit down at the table now with whoever you've invited, what type of conversations do you have? Talk about the weather, talk about your day. Depends on the person, though, right? You know, lifelong friends, conversation is going to be different than maybe first timers at your house. You're meeting your child's future in laws. It's going to be different, right? The things that you share, the conversation, it goes in different directions, right? If uh, it's a family gathering, most likely, no, no things are off limits, okay? So when you have all your family together, that's when it gets loud and it gets sometimes complicated. You never know. Regardless, when you sit at the table, it most certainly is not solely designed to eat. You talk. You visit. How weird would it be to sit at the table and not talk? That's the way it would be. It'd be very uncomfortable, wouldn't it? You just... What do you do? What do we do? All you would hear is plates and, and utensils tapping on. It would be, it would be awful because those little sounds, they're kind of irritating. But uh, the, the table, table talk, it was pivotal um, to Jesus and the way that he approached the table. And he saw the value in the conversations that you could have around the table, right? Talking around the table is how you get 
acquainted with everyone. Uh, table talk is the way that you hear stories and share your story. Uh, there's, there's just tons of ways. There's a ways to facilitate it. Here's one. Okay, In fourth grade, Jackson made this. It's called Talk Time, and uh, we preserved it. Uh, but it's just full of topics. I think he made it for uh, Mother's Day. And uh, we, it's just full of little strips of paper that he rolled up. And there's, there's an idea or a concept that you can talk about. You unroll it, and you talk about it at the table, right? And it's, that's one way. Uh, there's these things, these games. This one's called Let's Get Deep. There's a few others. But they're just cards with topics and subjects that you can put around the table. Maybe uh, a lot of times this happens in um, a big setting uh, where you go to a conference or something just to, to get to know you, icebreakers, that kind of thing. And uh, so there's, there's lots of ways that you can get to know each other. But the goal is not uh, uh, to take the cards and go card to card or unwrap multiple rolls and uh, figure out and just use that as your conversation, right? That's not the idea. The idea is that one person shares a piece of their story. And then you ask a question about, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. Or I, we have a, and you learn about the things you have in common. You find out the things that you might disagree on. Whether you state that or not, you just find stuff out about people. And, um, the, but the table talk, it, it's vibrant and helpful to get to know who you're with. Uh, and when Jesus was at your table, when, when he sat down, the, the disciples in the upper room, while they were, where, when they shared the Passover, he shared a lot. Um, in, in John, there's a couple of chapters worth. It's called the Great Discourse in, in uh, church circles. But he just shared so much information. And he was, the, he was able to, he, he created tension right there at the beginning. Geraldo read it, right? By pointing out, somebody, somebody in this room is going to betray me. What if I said that to y'all? I just know that somebody here is going to stab me in the back. And you, where would you do? You'd be all looking around like, you? Me? Is it me? No. No. So th that's what the disciples did, one by one. Is it me, Lord? Like, uh, but he creates tension. He also warns Peter about the events that were getting ready to happen to him. We talked about those a few weeks ago, about his actions and his denial. We'll talk about it more here in a couple weeks. He, he reveals the newest and the greatest command that you could give. First of all, um, uh, not everybody could give a command like this. They, they had followed 600 plus laws for centuries. And this is the way you did it. And Jesus said, all of those things are wrapped up in this. Love your neighbor. Love as I have loved you. That's how people will know who you follow. And uh, table talk was the way that Jesus got that point across. It was a vital piece of his ministry. He's building a connection with his disciples and with the other people, with us, through that. He's engaging in their stories. And he was able to share his heart as well. Even though many of them probably didn't quite understand at that meal, at that table, at that time, they would understand way more after the events of the next day and the next three days. Jesus saw value in table talk. So, do you have any memories around the table? 
Do you have any table memories that you can think of? Because Jesus saw the importance of remembering what happens around a table. Remembering the table is instrumental to our faith. Some of the greatest uh, memories happen around your table, right? I can remember growing up during meals, just the four of us, my sister and my mom and dad. Great memories. I can remember now uh, with Angie and I and, and Maya and Jackson. We have great memories of just sitting around the table, whether it's eating or playing games or whatever we're doing, right? Um, there's just laughter. There's conversation. There's a lot going on. And this, this final time around the table for Jesus and his disciples is why we call it the Last Supper. And they, uh, Jesus saw how important these events of the, the events of that meal would be for all of us. And we read about him in Luke chapter 22 as we continue a little bit after what we read earlier. And uh, Geraldo read again Matthew's account, but he said, After taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you I will not drink from it, drink from it from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God has come. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body for, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. What we're doing right now, it'll make way more sense in just about a day, but remember me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant. That's important. The new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. <coughs> Jesus was initiating something new to them. They'd never done this before. They didn't know it was called communion. They didn't have a, they didn't have a clue. They didn't understand, right? Uh, this had never happened. The eating and the drinking part was not new, obviously, but the significance of why they were to remember this. Why did Jesus make a big deal out of this particular time of the bread and the cup? Most of all, most if not all of Jesus' words in his time with the disciples uh, and in Scripture, they're pointing to something that has yet to come. They're pointing forward, right? They're pointing towards his death or his resurrection or his kingdom in general. So here at the Passover feast, which is this time-honored tradition of the Israel uh, people, the Hebrew people, Jesus is establishing a new tradition, something new, that revolved around something that, that had even yet to happen. So they obviously didn't have a clue how to understand this at the time. The Passover feast was this annual tradition, a celebration of how God delivered the Israelites way back in the Old Testament, in Exodus, in, in Moses. Remember, let my people go. You might have saw the movie, okay? And, and after 10 plagues, the Passover feast, the 10th plague, was where a lamb was sacrificed, the blood was put over their doorpost. And if you had blood over your doorposts, the angel of death would the angel of the Lord who was coming over them would pass over their house and their firstborn would live. Those who didn't, their firstborn did not live. And so it was this annual celebration. If you were a Hebrew, you did this every single year to some extent. Some were probably more extravagant than others, right? We all celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and things like that differently. So probably according to how uh, wealthy you were or whatever, but Every year they did this. And from the moment, uh, and it, was, it was just a back uh, way to, to honor that sacrificed lamb 
in how God passed over and protected them and eventually delivered them out of, e- uh, out of Egypt. And Jesus was asking them to remember something new, something uh, and remember the significance of the sacrifice of Jesus' life for our sins. He was invested in it because he became the lamb, the sacrifice lamb, that next day on the cross. And he's telling them, this is the new covenant right there in John, in in Matthew. He says, this is the new covenant in my blood. This is going to, what I'm doing is replacing what you've been celebrating. Because that's what happened. He was the sacrifice lamb for all the sins of the world. And Jesus was invested in remembering what happened around the table. It's a big piece of our lives, this table, this idea, right? And uh, what happens around it shapes our lives in the way that we sit at it. So promise three questions for you to chew on this week, so here goes. And really, this one is just one question with three different spokes. But what's important about your table? What's important about it? About your dinner table? What's important about your dinner table? Do you take time to value the table talk that's around the table? Investing in the lives of the people that sit around it, whether it's family or friends or guests. You listen to those stories about, that are told at your table. Creating memories that will carry well past you, right? What's important about your table at the dinner table? What, what about your life table? Okay, this is a little more metaphorical or symbolic. Remember uh, back in Psalm 23, You've prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So what that means, not everything at your table is going to go good, right? Maybe you have that experience. There's hard conversations to have at the table. Some table talk hurts our hearts. But the, the end of that is uh, that uh, you prepare a place for me in the presence of, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, but he's with us. And he goes with us wherever we go. And he protects us with his rod and his staff. So sometimes when that tabletop hurts, we just have to recognize, is our life table doing okay? And then what about the Lord's table? When we approach the Lord's table, how do you you approach the table that Jesus asked us to remember? This sacrament of communion. And uh, as we prepare right now to share in the Lord's Supper. Um, Guys, you want to come on up, worship team, uh, you can get yourself ready. Um, What I normally do in this circumstance, we take communion at least once a month, it seems, and uh, we try and make it um, intentional. But I'll explain the process, right? Here's what we're doing, here's what it means, and the significance of the table that cost Jesus his life. And that's what we remember. That's what he said. Do this and remember me, right? Do this and remember me. And as we prepare to share this sacrament together, there's nothing special about the little wafers and the juice that's in these containers. There's, there's nothing special about these containers even. Although and there's lots of churches that have them. And most of them are either gold or silver and have the little cross on the top. I don't know. It's just... What it is, it's convenient for us, right? Because the, the tray is in there and the cup sit, fits right in. Some churches will just have a cup, 
and we can do it. We can take uh, communion via intinction, and we dip the, the wafer in the in, into the juice, which since COVID happened doesn't happen anymore, um, and rightfully so, right? But it's personal. It's but the things inside they're not significant until until our hearts. In our hearts, we understand the why behind using them. They're just symbols. And you can use whatever. When we were uh, shut down, we asked you to use whatever you had at the house. Juice, crackers, soda, whatever you had, right? So the significance lies in, in our hearts and why we are remembering why we do this. And we bring the words of Jesus around them. When you do this... Remember me. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember that Jesus gave his life in the most horrific manner possible. And that he surrendered his life for me. This is personal, right? When we take communion, it has nothing to do with anybody else but you and who we are remembering. And that's when it becomes personal to us. Because it is personal. Jesus asked his disciples, but he's asking us one by one by one. When you do this, remember me because I gave my life for you. Now, here in our gathering, you don't have to be a member to, be, uh, to take communion, but you do have to remember. And uh, that's, that's the instructions that Jesus gave us. You can choose not to take the elements. So in their past, and ushers, if you guys, if you're going to serve, if you want to come on down, you can. Um, you don't have to take them. If you have questions about what communion looks like, or you're not comfortable prepare and prepared to take communion right now, that's fine. Just pass it along. There, there's no judgment. There's no protocol. If, if you want, take it, right? And you can, uh, but in order to share communion, what we ask is that, you believe that Jesus died for you, for your sins. And then you've accepted the free gift of grace that he extends to us freely. And allowed Jesus, and you've allowed Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. That's what we ask when you take communion. So as, the, as these nice people pass the plates and everything, we just ask you to hold on to the elements. We'll take communion together as a family. And uh, while you sit here, the worship team's going to sing. And uh, I just want you to reflect, to remember why we're doing this, to remember your table and the significance behind it. And uh, then we'll share it together as soon as everyone's been served. So.